twowayradios.com, check, check. Bytwowayradios.com. Recorded almost live from Rock Hill, South Carolina. It's the Two Way Radio Show. Welcome to the Two-Way Radio Show. I'm Rick Savoy. I'm Danny Feimster. And Anthony Roque is out today. And this is the podcast about two-way radios for business and consumer communications. Today we'll tell you about a new initiative by Kenwood to offer factory-authorized refurbished radios for business. We'll also discuss a report and order by the FCC to open additional frequencies for business and industrial use that takes them closer to channels used for the GMRS. Plus, we'll tell you about a radio operator who is fined for impersonating first responders on a public safety frequency and take some of your comments and questions from our blog and our forums at twowayradioforum.com. Our show is sponsored by buytwowayradios.com, the source of two-way radios and radio accessories for businesses and consumers since 2002. Enter the promo code SHOW at checkout and save an additional 5% off your order. Buytwowayradios.com. Your radio specialists. Kenwood is a popular and respected manufacturer of two-way radios, and their ProTalk line is used in many businesses and industries. Now, the company is offering an alternative to their brand new products, Kenwood Refurbished Radios. Yeah, this is this is pretty exciting. Uh, by two-way radios, our company here has uh, become Kenwood's exclusive dealer for factory-authorized, reconditioned, or factory-authorized, refurbished radios. Um, Kenwood's never offered refurbished radios before. This, this is something... No, this is something that's very new to them, and I, I don't know of any other manufacturers at the moment. I can't think of any that uh, really do offer a program like that, at least, uh, you know, on any kind of a scale. Right. Um, I can't think of any either i mean you see some dealers like um i guess in the past we have like if you get customer returns that you're not able to resell Mm -hmm. maybe you list them on a marketplace or you sell them as a reconditioned radio but these are factory reconditioned or factory refurbished radios these are uh, radios at kenwood um, would have normally thrown away that are perfectly good in almost you know in all cases and uh they, uh, they're they offering them as, as refurbished. Now, and, uh, th- this means, I mean, these radios aren't some old, beat-up, you know, used models that you just buy off of eBay and it's just, you get it as is and, and you're kind of stuck with whatever you, you purchased. I mean, they go through these things and they check them over thoroughly and they take it to another level. Yeah, I had a long conversation uh, with Kenwood before we started doing this, and uh, we, you know, we ask a lot of questions like, "Where are these radios mm-hmm. coming from? Where, what normally happens to these radios?" And um, I, I was kind of impressed with the answers. I mean, um, what they used to do is, um, if the radio wasn't perfect, if a radio came back, basically, I, it, it, it sounds like they would just destroy them. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, they decided. Look, we've got tons of these radios. Why are we doing this? Maybe there's a market 
for some lower priced radios as, as refurbs. I think that's a smart move. Um, well, uh, we've had them up for a week and they seem to be selling pretty well. Mm-hmm. So uh, it does seem like customers are interested. Um, hopefully it, it works out well and Kenwood's happy with the results and we end up uh, being able to do this more and more frequently. But um, where these radios are coming from, I guess, is where, where I was going with that. And, and mm-hmm. there's three places. These could be a radio that um, a customer received and found to be defective or not working properly in some way. And Kenwood has decided that instead of repairing this radio, they're going to send them a, a new radio. Mm-hmm. Normally, this would happen uh, like right after a customer's made a purchase. Like you buy a new radio and something right out of the gate doesn't work and um, you return it, you don't want a repaired radio that you to replace something right. you just purchased, you want another new one. So um, those go to Kenwood, Kenwood has, repairs them, tests them, and they become a refurbished radio. Now in some cases, some of these radios might just be a matter of somebody just returned the radio because they didn't yeah. want them for one reason or another. And you know, the th- thing is in the electronics industry in particular, once you generally sell a product as new and somebody opens it up and turns it on uh, and then sends it back, you can't turn around, even if you put it back on the shelf, you can't turn around and sell it as new again. It, it has to be, uh, you know, it's in, in, in many places it's not really legal to do that even because it's, it's, you can't sell an item that's been used as a new item. So there might not be anything wrong with the radio it might just have been something that was returned, and you know they checked it out. It works fine. Maybe they cleaned it up a little bit, uh, put it back, you know, reboxed it, and re- are reselling it as fur- refurbished. Yeah, that's case and number two that he he described to me. The first one is a defective return from a customer. Mm-hmm. The second one is just the customer returned it for ter- returned a working radio for some reason. Now um, this may be um, that they bought the wrong radio. Mm-hmm. You know, it could be that. They bought a one or a two watt radio and they get it to, to their building and they realize it doesn't provide enough coverage, so they need to switch out to a more powerful radio. Well, now um, you can't really tell that customer that, sorry, you're stuck with these radios that yeah. aren't working for you. you. You take the radios back, you give the customer what you want, but like you said, you can't sell that radio as new. No. So it becomes a refurbished radio after it's tested out. I don't want to go on a, on a tangent too much, but this is why a lot of retailers. Uh, when they sell an item and it's returned to them, they'll often charge a restocking fee. And they're not trying to uh, rip the customer off in that sense. What they're trying to do is re- recoup their losses because when that item comes back and it turns out maybe there's nothing wrong with it and they can't send it back to the manufacturer for a replacement, um, they're kind of stuck with that item because they can't turn around and put it back on the shelf as new. Right. They have to sell it as a refurb or right. uh, a non-new product so they have to take a loss on it yeah um finally the uh the final scenario where um these refurbs are coming from are, are products where the packaging is damaged mm-hmm. um like say the kenwood has radios ready to go out but something happens and damages the outer carton of the the radios um they can't ship a box to a customer that's crushed on one side or uh, ripped or something like that. It doesn't look new at that point. So 
normally they just wouldn't sell that radio. Mm-hmm. Now they're reboxing it and it becomes a refurb radio. Yeah, and and there have been rare cases where you would get a radio that maybe had the wrong um, accessory or something in the box, something was mismatched, and then it goes back, the whole thing goes back, and that's another case of it. Once it goes back, well, what do you do with it uh, besides put it on the shelf? So in a lot of cases, pretty much uh, when you're getting a refurb radio that's factory refurbished that they've gone through and checked out, you can be pretty confident that if the manufacturer's gone through it and tested it and reissued it as refurbished, that it's probably going to be in pretty good shape. Yeah, I, I think that Kenwood has really set this program up uh, to succeed because uh, they're having everything tested by Kenwood authorized technicians before they send them out. So you, you've got a high level of confidence that the product is going to work to begin with. But on top of that, the full manufacturer's warranty applies to the product um, with the exception of cosmetic um, in, or cosmetic problems, I guess you could say. Like if there's a mm-hmm. scratch or something like that on the, on the radio that wouldn't impact performance, that's not covered by the warranty. But other than that, the full two-year warranty, which is kind of unheard of for refurbs. Usually yeah. a refurb is going to be 90 days or a six-month warranty. If that, if that. There's some places that sell refurbs with maybe a 30-day or a 14-day warranty and sometimes no warranty at all. So to offer something like this, and this is what I was referring to earlier uh, at the beginning of the show when I said they're taking it to the next level. This to me is the next level. To be able to offer a refurb or to offer a refurb is one thing, but to offer a refurb with an original two-year warranty on it is uh, rather unprecedented, I'd say. Well, it does say a lot about the confidence that Kenwood has mm-hmm. in the, the technicians that are testing the product and in their refurb process in general. They, they're showing you that they have confidence that these radios are fine. And mm-hmm. uh, another bonus is if there are any rebates currently available or promotional items like, you know, a few times a year, Kenwood will do a, um, a promotion. Like, say, you, you buy six radios, you get a gift card. Or you buy mm-hmm. six radios, you get a multi-charger. Or, uh, As a matter some, of fact, they're running one right now. They, they are. And uh, in most circumstances, you would think a refurbished radio, you're not going to get this. But mm-hmm. Kenwood's made it apply. If, uh, they made it this very, very generous. It's a very generous offer. The two-year warranty. Uh, first of all, we're talking about a refurb radio with everything included that come normally comes with the new radio, right. the charger, charger the battery, battery clip, antenna. Right, the whole shebang uh, in in a manual. And sometimes with refurb uh, items, you don't you don't even get a manual. Um, but here they they're including everything, just as if it were brand new. And then on top of that, they're offering a two year warranty, a full two-year warranty on these radios. Um, that's pretty cool. And then they're going to offer the, um, then they're going to allow the current rebates to apply to any of these radios that are being purchased. I think that this whole combination is a pretty amazing deal. I, now I've, I've never really seen refurbs, um, I get, I, not that I recall uh, a refurb radio uh, that qualifies for any 
rebates or any specials uh, that are being offered for new radios. This is pretty Yeah, Ken, Ken would really set this up for success. And, um, I mean, they, they were explaining this to me, and I thought it's really a no-brainer for us to, to jump in and become their exclusive mm-hmm. dealer for, for refurbished product. Because, um, I mean, who's? it seems like <laughs> these things are, are definitely going to sell and it's going to be a successful program. I mean, we're, we're selling the, the refurbs for 25 to 35% below the normal price of the radio. Plus, mm-hmm. you add the rebates. You can save even more. You get a free multi-charger with the current promotion, full two-year warranty. People are going to jump all over this, and, and they already are. Um, availability is something that we need to talk about. If, if you're interested in a refurbished radio, you need to get it quick because they're going fast, and there's no guarantee that it's going to be something that we have in stock going forward. Mm-hmm. It, this may be something that we get an opportunity every three months. It may be something um, less often than that. Um, this is the first time Kenwood's ever done it. Um, I'm not sure the product that they made available to us, what kind of time period that, that covers for them, but I don't know how often this product is going to be coming in or even, I mean, they, they may very well decide that they don't want to continue the program. This may be a one-time offer. And actually, for some of these models, I could imagine this would be kind of a one-time offer because we haven't mentioned the models. We haven't gone through the list of models yet. Um, and uh, we, sh- we should probably go through that right now so people really understand uh, what they're, you know, what we're talking about here. Well, it's it's... Isn't it all of the current models plus a couple of models that have been discontinued? Yeah, I mean the models that have been discontinued in the past that were very popular models yeah, the were thir- the TK2400 V4P and the the 3400 uh, U4P, the the four channel models, right? And the 3230, the original TK3230. Um, that yeah, we did get some of the, but those are sold out already. Right, and and those were the only models that really weren't included in the current uh, promotion because mm-hmm. they weren't listed in the current promotion to begin with, so they didn't qualify. But all the other models uh, that are listed in the current promotion that there are refurbs of do qualify for the promotion. And there are also digital models available Yeah, yeah. Um, for refurbished, and I believe they're over a hundred dollars off the regular price the digital radio so it's a great savings for less money fifty dollars i believe less than a regular priced analog four watt radio you can get a refurbished digital radio so this may be the perfect time to start moving to digital or at least try out a digital they're backwards compatible with analog so uh, now is the time I think this is a phenomenal opportunity for um, for any business or or industry that wants to uh, go to Kenwoods and or, or has Kenwoods already and wants to add to their fleet and uh, they maybe they have some of the NX series digital radios and they want to add a few more but they think that that maybe it's a little price too high for their for what they're budgeted for at the moment. Hundred dollars off, yeah. That's, it's, it's a you great can't deal. beat that. Plus, plus the the uh, uh, promo incentive. Uh, that's pretty amazing. Uh, there's one other thing I want to mention on the, the Kenwoods, and then we can move on to another topic. Uh, and it's the the packaging. If mm-hmm. you're used to buying Kenwoods, 
don't be surprised when you buy a refurb and it's not in the original Kenwood box. What Kenwood has done with these refurbs is, is they're all repackaged. They're basically in a brown cardboard box with a serial number sticker on the outside and they're kind of sandwiched between two foam pieces. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's just how all of the refurbs were packaged from Kenwood. So they look a little different than you might be used to as far as the packaging go, but you're getting the same radio. You know, I was thinking that um, after looking at the box and seeing how they were packaged in there, at, at first I thought, well, that's, you know, they just kind of threw it all in, and, and it's a refurb, so you know, kind of expect that. But then I got to looking at the packaging, and I thought, you know, this is really well packed, uh, considering. And when you look at the packaging for a brand new radio, mm-hmm. I mean, it comes in the box. They're all they're little compartments and things like that. Um, I'd say they're fairly well protected, but this uh, this box really protects them well. I mean, you got you know those are thick pieces of foam that are in there. Yeah, I think and what they did was they they didn't have they're probably receiving these radios in their their main distribution facility already packaged and boxed. Mm-hmm. So they don't have boxes just laying around. So they're they're probably. Um, also, I imagine sometimes the accessories are the reason a customer returned a damaged radio. So they had to put a new battery in instead mm-hmm. of. Um, so they, you don't have a lot of the inner cartons. Like in you know, the original packaging, the charger will be in its own box. Right, the antenna right. will be in a uh, poly sleeve. You know, the radio uh, or the um, AC adapter will be boxed separately. But you know what? My personal opinion on that looking at a new box and, and looking at uh, uh, a refurb box, I kind of trust the refurb box a little bit better to survive a, a, a rough trip uh, you know, in shipping than, than the new box. I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with the new box per se. I just think that the refurb box is, um, to me, uh, well, well equipped yeah. to, to handle rough Rough, uh, I don't think anybody's going to be disappointed in the box. I think they would just be yeah. perhaps be a little surprised that it's not in the Kenwood box. So I just want to make sure everybody's kind of prepared for that. But yeah, don't don't worry about it. It's not a big deal at all. Yeah, for it me, I'd be, to be pleasantly surprised. <laughs> yeah, but uh, but I'd say I'd say this is a pretty phenomenal thing what they're doing, and uh, I'd like to see that continue in the long term. I, I guess time will tell as to whether this experiment uh, works out for them or not. But, um, uh, you know, I, th- I think they're taking an initiative that a lot of other manufacturers are not. You know, I was just thinking, um, all the manufacturers get back these kind of radios. What do they do with their radios? Do they dump them on a secondary market? I think, uh, I mean, for a lot of electronic products from manu- some manufacturers, I've known that to be the case where they would take those and turn around and sell them in lots to you know to uh, a third party you know like on eBay or Amazon or whatever and just to get rid of them or dump them. Some of them destroy them, but a lot of them will take those items and say, "Oh, I mean, we got to get our money. We we got to get our money back out of these things." So, you know, let's 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 dump them somewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, it, it kind of makes you wonder where some some of those uh, radios end up. And uh, well, I've heard. Yeah. I, I don't know. Um, I, that's something I've never really talked about with any manufacturer, other than one. Um, there's one manufacturer, it's, um, pretty large. I'm not going to ma- name them, but 
I was definitely told maybe six or seven years ago now that anything that, that we return um, for any reason, if we send it back, it just gets destroyed. It's hmm. not resold. It's not repackaged. That seems like such a waste. Uh, yeah. It's the way they decide to do it. But it, it probably tells you how little they have in the, <laughs> the actual product if they can yeah. do that. I suppose. But uh, in any case, I, I think I think what Kenwood's doing, I think they're onto something. Yeah, I think so, too. You know? I, th- I think it makes a lot of sense, and that more manufacturers should do something like this, because otherwise, I mean, those, those radios do cost you something mm-hmm. to, to build no, absolutely. And, absolutely. and transport. Why throw away product that is valuable? Well, as Danny just mentioned, um, we are the exclusive dealer for these Kenwood factory-authorized refurbished radios and uh, if you want to take a look at them you want to see uh, uh, what's available uh, and, and look at the pricing just go to our website at buy2airradios.com and check them out also if you're listening to the show right now and if you have been for some time you know that you can save an additional five percent on your order with promo code show so um, that's uh, that's an inside deal for for you listening to the two-way radio show. Anyway, speaking of business radios, uh, there is some news about business radio frequencies. The FCC has opened up some additional frequencies uh, for business use. And what really makes this interesting is that it takes them right, right next to GMRS frequencies. And uh, I thought... Um, I thought that's uh, that's kind of a big deal. Um, well, I don't know how big of a deal it is. It's it's certainly news. Um, I think from from uh, if I'm reading this chart correctly and my math is is correct, it looks like um, previously. Um, see, the GMRS frequencies are in the 462, 467 range, which is right in the middle of the commercial. UHF band. Yeah, it's just sandwiched in there. 450 to 470. And uh, what they've done, it used to be that um, the closest business frequency available to, um, like GMRS, there was 462.550 is the lowest frequency. Mm-hmm. The closest business frequency was 462.53125, which is a .01 eight seven five megahertz difference which means if that business customer i believe and my math is right if that business customer was on a 12 and a half kilohertz bandwidth radio and the gmrs customer was on a 25 megahertz bandwidth radio then everything will be great yeah there's no no concern about encroachment or, or any uh, any interference from one to the other, uh, and 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 I think everybody was happy with that. Well, now the FCC is allowing four sixty two point five three seven five, which is a six and a quarter closer to the GMRS channel, but they're putting a restriction on it, and they're saying that. The only reason, the only way you can use this frequency if you're a business is if you're using 
four megahertz bandwidth. Yeah. Which is only, to my understanding, is only available with an NXDN radio. Right? Um, yeah, for the digital NXDN radios. Digital. Um, then I think that that's perfectly fine. Mm-hmm. I think that for GMRS, that's perfectly fine um, because most likely you're going to be anyone following these rules right are going to be um getting a license they're going to only be granted the license if they applied for four megahertz bandwidth mm-hmm. i mean if if your complaint is that people are going to use this unlicensed they aren't going to care then that was a problem before this rule went into effect anyway so the new rule this frequency is only going to be allocated to people using the right equipment my Concern would be more for the business user who was allocated that frequency because I think that there's some cheap GMRS equipment out there that <laughs> I think it's a lot more likely that the GMRS user on 462.550 bleeds over into the business yeah. frequency than the yeah. other way around because that business equipment at 4 kilohertz NXDN radio, that's a high-quality radio for the most part. Mm-hmm. You're not going to have a problem out of that radio, but your twenty dollar Uniden, that's gonna that's gonna <laughs> cause a problem. Yeah, I mean, it could it could definitely be an issue. Yeah. Um, okay, so this is going to uh, open up a, few, a couple more frequencies for for business users. That'll give them a little bit more breathing room, I guess you could say. For GMRS users, there really shouldn't be any concern. Yeah, I, I don't think that there's any concern, really. I think the concern is more for business users than GMRS users because I think mm-hmm. that there's a bigger chance that there's going to be a crappy GMRS radio <laughs> on a frequency right next to your um, high-quality NXDN <laughs> business radio. But but there are some GMRS users, or well, I should say there are some people using GMRS frequencies with, uh, say, a radio such a, as a Baofeng or, or some of these other Chinese radios, where some of those radios are known to be a little, you know... Uh, Maybe they use a little more bandwidth than their... Yeah, let's put it that way. <laughs> That's a little bleed through there. Um, but some of those radios don't are not really they're not really up to the standard set by the FCC to stay within their their frequency and their their bandwidth to stay within their band um i think that that could be a potential problem well it will be a problem for those business users if 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 the guy on the cheap import radio is trying to transmit on GMRS and it's causing a problem for the business on the frequency next door. Yeah, that, that's my point. That's mm-hmm. my point exactly. Which is probably another reason to kind of stick with the, the Part 95 type accepted GMRS radios because uh, that way you don't uh, run a risk of causing some interference with some business that might come up and say, hey, uh, we're, you know, we're getting this interference and we're going to call the FCC and then you're going to have problems. Well, when a radio is type accepted, I wouldn't say Part 95 in general, but in, be sure you're using a type accepted radio, period. Mm-hmm. Then you don't have a problem like the enforcement advisory that we've been talking about um, <laughs> over our last <laughs> couple of episodes. Um, and 
in order to get that FCC type acceptance, these radio manufacturers have to show that the radio does use the bandwidth mm-hmm. that it's, it's configured for and isn't bleeding all over the place. Hmm. All right. Well, you know, speaking of the uh, FCC enforcement advisory, you know, in the last episode of the two-way radio show, we were talking about um, uh, one of the reasons for the enforcement advisory is the concern by the FCC that uh, some of these import radios were being used in an unauthorized fashion uh, on other frequencies that they weren't supposed to be uh, used on, like, uh, for instance, uh, um, you know, public safety frequencies and, and the FRS, GMRS, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Now, I recall in our last discussion, mm-hmm. you mentioned, you know, I was mentioning examples, saying that there are examples of people using these radios on um, public uh, safety frequencies right. and causing interference, and you're saying, well, show me an example. You know, and there are not that many of them. I, you know, and it's funny, I, I, after the show was done, um, the FCC issued a press release about just such an incident where they were actually fining somebody for doing just that very thing. And I thought, you know what, this would be perfect to mention on this show because uh, Danny was asking me for, for examples. Here's a prime example. And, uh, and, and actually, it was also covered in National Communications Magazine. Uh, National Communications Magazine, uh, for those who don't know, is touted as America's hobby radio magazine. They've been, in, uh, they've been doing their thing for 30 years. It's run by Chuck Geisey. Uh, he does a phenomenal job of putting together articles and, and uh, uh, news items in this magazine. It comes out every two months. And I was just going through the November-December issue uh, for this year, and uh, they had a couple of articles. In fact, they, uh, they did have an article on the business frequencies uh, that we were just discussing, but they also... Uh, mentioned this item about uh, uh, this person being fined for using uh, unauthorized frequencies. I'd seen the press release earlier, and I was thinking, yeah, I could use this on the show. But then they mentioned it in the magazine, and I thought, oh, this is kind of big. It's definitely worth covering. Well, wait a minute. We need to talk about it. I saw this in your notes for the episode. Knew it was coming up. I went back and listened to what I said in the previous episode. Uh-huh. And I stand by it. I don't think that I'm, uh, I am – I didn't deny that these are out there. Uh, my point last week was that there are millions of these radios. Mm-hmm. And sure, you're going to find a couple troublemakers. But is it really that big of a problem that out of millions of radios you have – Three or four times a year, the FCC issues a, a a fine on somebody that's and now this this person here that caused the trouble, he was intentionally mm-hmm. messing with public safety frequencies. Intentionally. Well, before he, we he get deserve where where I think some of the FCC stuff gets overblown is when it's 
it's sort of like a fear tactic that oh you if if you go out camping with your kids and you don't have a GMRS license then the FCC is going to come get you and fine you 25,000 and I don't see examples of that ever having happened. I don't really think that's what the FCC but is really concerned with. But I, I think agree. I think they're with concerned this. with people intentionally being a nuisance. And I think that you have to go really far out of your way. You really have to try to get one of these FCC Well, fines. this guy apparently did. And before we get yeah. to the commentary too much, let's tell everybody about what, what this guy did. Um, the FCC proposed a fine against... Uh, a gentleman, Mr. Ocean Henson, of Surrey County, North Carolina. This in North Carolina, not You're too far away. Calling him out. Look at yeah, that. Yeah, Well, it's it, they called him out. It's in the. It's on all the news. Um, <laughs> so, what? they're they're proposing a fine uh, against him for apparent intentional misuse of a local public safety radio communications network. Now, uh, I'm now I'm reading from this this press release now. Mr. Henson faces a $39,278 proposed fine after impersonating first responders and unauthorized radio communications on a public safety frequency licensed to Surrey County. And this is what happened. On October 17, uh, 2017, Surrey County officials responding to a fire alarm triggered at a local residence transmitted a request for a unit from the Westfield Volunteer Fire Department. Shortly thereafter, Mr. Henson, posing as Westfield VFD Unit 7331, responded by radio and stated that he was en route to the scene of the alarm. Approximately four minutes later, Mr. Henson, still identifying himself as Westfield VFD Unit 7331 contacted the dispatcher by radio and canceled the call. As a result of these two transmissions, no real first responder investigated the triggered residential fire alarm. Fortunately, no fire actually occurred at the scene of the alarm. Mr. Henson later admitted to local law enforcement that he had made the two unauthorized transmissions using a mobile radio in his personal vehicle. Now, here's the thing. This guy intentionally misled you know, authorities mm-hmm. about, uh, you know, an incident that that actually didn't occur, and then he came back and canceled the call. Now, there are a couple of things here. First of all, I mean, this guy clearly did this on purpose. Right. Which, I, I don't know, I don't know what's wrong with some of these people these days. I, I mean, uh, some, let, let me be clear. Some... <laughs> I, I want to be clear. I, I don't think a $39,000 fine is enough for this guy. It, I agree. This guy... Why isn't this guy in prison? Yeah, we, we need to do something <laughs> to this guy. This guy needs to be punished for this in, in some way or another. We need to make an example of this to exactly. discourage this type of behavior. I mean, absolutely. It's, it's just amazing to me what, what, what kind of person does something like that. I don't know. But second, um, this points out the fact that and as you were saying, maybe it doesn't happen that often, but really all it takes is one time for some kind of disaster to occur. Let's say, for instance, what if somebody got on, there was a real emergency, somebody needed help, and somebody got on and started messing around like that with the first responders, misdirected them or canceled the call or told, you know, whatever mm-hmm. they did, uh, when the person really needed help, and then 
you know, they, they never received sure, the, I, I get the that. assistance. Here's, here's All it takes question. is one time. Gotcha. You know? Gotcha. All it takes is one time. How do you prevent it? How is How would you have stopped this guy from doing this if he is intent upon doing it? There, there is no amount of FCC regulation that you could put in place that would have prevented this. No, but if you make examples of people like this well, and you sure. find them and you put them yeah. in jail and stuff, I think it can be a deterrent. We're, we're in agreement. Here's the thing is that if, should be if we don't do anything, if, if they don't do anything to somebody like this, then everybody's going to say, oh, well, it must be fine. Let's get up in there and do it. And nobody will care. And then, but sometimes uh, you, know, you throw the baby out with the bathwater. When you make these little regulations that affect everybody and they're very wide and then they're never enforced, then – well, that's the problem. It's well, enforcement. It's either the problem that they exist or it's the problem that they're not enforced. It's one or the other. Uh, you, you can't have them and then not enforce them. And then, mm-hmm. But then maybe you could argue that if you can't enforce them, maybe you shouldn't have so many. <laughs> <laughs> right? It's a vicious cycle. <laughs> well, look at what happened with GMRS. I mean, we ne- no longer for, for decades, this was a license-required service that was not enforced, no one ever got the license, no one died, everything was fine, and now we don't need a license, and life goes on. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I still think that this is a prime example of, of why the FCC issued that enforcement advisory, or one reason why the FCC issued that enforcement advisory. I know there, there are those who would argue that, well, they issued it because uh, some of the big manufacturers really want to crack down on the imports and things like that. But I think this is a valid uh, reason for, for having that advisory. It's a valid reason for... No, I don't for, know. For, I, I disagree. We, we, let's, let's talk about this now. What does that advisory do that would have prevented this guy that was intent on disrupting a local volunteer fire department? How does it... I mean, he could buy all of those local firemen. We sell to volunteer firemen mm-hmm. all the time, and they buy ICOMs, they buy Kenwoods, they buy Motorola's. Sometimes they buy imports, but I would argue that's the exception rather than the rule with volunteer yeah. firemen. Maybe this guy was a disgruntled ex-fireman that had a, a Motorola in his car. Who knows? That it doesn't matter though. It's still no excuse for him to do that. But, exactly, uh, yeah. but that advisory would not have prevented it. He could have gotten. The same radios that most of those volunteer firefighters are using have it, had it programmed to the frequencies they're using without much of an issue and did exactly what he did. The advisory doesn't change anything here, does it? Well, I think it makes people more aware of it and say, hey, uh, you know, maybe we shouldn't do I mean, look what it did for us. We, we, um, we received the advisory like everyone else did. Mm-hmm. And what did we do? We took immediate steps to to make sure that, that uh, um, the products that we sold were in compliance. But you could argue that advisory hurt us because we were more proactive about making sure we were compliant. We rushed to be sure to remove any products that we were unsure about from sale on our website. None of our competitors did that. Our, our competitors sure continued. Nobody else did. I couldn't that. find anyone else that did that. I see UV5Rs being sold throughout the internet. Still, I see. I see no one else making any changes. So, the advisory hurt the dealers that are more willing to avoid breaking the rules. Does that make mm-hmm. sense? 
people that that want to follow the saying, rules. Yeah. And that's that's sort of my point. And I think that's the same thing with I think the advisory does nothing here. I think this guy could have had any radio that that wouldn't have been affected by the advisory and had the same problem. Well, looking from the other side of the coin, uh, from what you're saying is that if if the enforcement advisory had never been issued at all, mm-hmm. uh, would nothing have changed? I mean, I, I think that it was important for them to do that anyway because no, it was unclear. The enforcement advisory didn't spell out exactly what the law was or what should happen. The enforcement. I'm still oh, it, confused. It, it, yeah, it, we're all confused, and, <laughs> and and I agree that it was not not so, completely clear. But what I'm saying is that if they didn't issue an enforcement advisory at all, mm-hmm. then everyone could argue that the FCC is doing absolutely nothing. Now, at least now well, they're not doing that. Okay, well, we'll, what have we'll they say done? that they're not they're not doing that much. But at <laughs> least they issued an enforcement advisory. Well, they, they could have just not done anything, and then it was business as usual. And then later on down the road, people would complain. Well, the FCC never does anything, and uh, th- this, this, right these now, rules have no teeth. The FCC walked into a room, dropped a grenade, and then left. Yeah. And now we've got all this shrapnel everywhere. No one knows what's going on. The FCC isn't. From what I've seen, they've responded to a few people's email. They didn't respond to my email. You um, know what else? I don't think it's just the FCC either. Um, we've heard – I was watching. I was monitoring online all the discussions. Well, when this enforcement advisory first came out, uh, there was a lot of of banter about it, a lot of talk back and forth, a lot of discussion on, on all – you know, on forums, on uh, social media, and Reddit, and 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 uh, and these various places, and then, and it lasted for a few days, and then, poof, it got real quiet. Nobody said another word about it, and I was on the ARL site, and the ARL issued this article about, well, we're looking into this, we're working with the FCC to get this taken care of, and we'll keep you updated on on our progress and what's going on, the words to that effect. I've been watching the ARRL site for the last month, and not a peep out of them after that first article uh, as to what happened after that. Well, they they discussed it with the FCC. They, They had some talks. They were supposed to be working on something together. I don't know. That nothing has has happened since then now i'm not i'm not dumping on the arl or the fcc but what i'm saying is that uh you're right in the sense that the fcc dropped a grenade and then walked away it seemed like everybody else did too it was like well there's a few days of of oh what's going on here and then after that nothing there's no more discussion about it at all and my concern and for the first few days you're right the FCC was responding to people. I found um, forums online where hams were saying, hey, I emailed the FCC. Here's the response I got back. And then uh, from what I've seen, it's been silent for a while. Now, maybe, hopefully, they've listened to some feedback and they're going to go and change something. But you know how long it takes them to change something? I mean, if they decided oh, yeah. Yeah. last month that they made a terrible mistake with this advisory and that they need to make some clarifications or make some changes, it might be 2025 
before those clarifications are released. That's how slow by they the t- move. <laughs> by that time, we're all off analog radios. Everybody's on digital, and nobody cares anymore anyway. <laughs> I mean, think about it. The, the, the advisory was in response to a complaint about a Baofeng radio from 2013. <laughs> this, yeah, true, this, true. We, we could be in limbo for years at this point. And that's where hams, I mean, we, we're in sort of straddling the line here because we've got ham customers. We sell ham radios. We sell business radios. But people in the amateur radio community really did get handed a grenade because the advisory, if, if you take it literally, means that they're not allowed to use a radio that is capable of transmitting outside of the ham bands unless it's type accepted in some way, mm-hmm. which is a change from what the way things were understood to be for a long time. And the FCC didn't, from the responses I've seen, seem to be backing down from that. Um, so that would mean that a lot of in-use equipment is illegal to be used. So, <laughs> Talking about dropping grenade and then walking away. <laughs> I don't know. What, what, <laughs> I think that's a good analogy. I do uh, think the more that I read this and the more that I read the responses from the FCC, I'm, I'm not sure. <laughs> but I think that it is okay for us to sell import radios that have been type accepted by the FCC. Like, say, a UV5R. Mm-hmm. that hasn't been modified, that is Part 90 type accepted and has the appropriate stickers and, and isn't changed from the state it was in when it was type accepted, I think it's okay to sell that radio. I think it's okay to sell MD380s and MD2017s um, that have a Part 90 type acceptance. They, that's, I'm not completely sure, but we're going to start selling those radios again just based on some of the emails I've seen people post that they've received from the FCC. They they didn't reply to my email where I specifically asked about some of that stuff, but we're the only one that stopped selling them. (laughs) It seems that way anyway. We're we're trying to do the right thing. Once again, I will say this, though. Um, I'm, I'm disappointed that the ARRL hasn't issued any kind of... Because they said that we're going to keep everybody up to date on what was going on and I and it's been a month and there's still no there there's still nothing from them. I, I either, don't blame so the I don't ARRL. I, I don't know. I do not blame the ARRL for that. I'm sure that those guys are on the FCC looking for clarification, but I mean well, an update would they, be nice. they've got a <laughs> lot more pull than we have, but um, they could be hitting the brick wall, you know? Yeah, that's possible too. I guess we'll just have to watch and see what uh, uh, how this progresses. I will say though that uh, you know, getting back to the National Communications Magazine for just a minute, uh, that this is a pretty good publication to get news like this and a lot of other news from. And uh, I think uh, we're still trying to get Chuck Geisey on the show to to do an interview with him. I think we have a lot of things we can do several interviews with him and discuss a lot of other things. He seems to be in the know and uh, he he uh, he knows what he's talking about. And, um, you know, if you're interested in, in picking up a National Communications Magazine, you can get a subscription to it from natcommag.com for $25 a year. They also sell individual issues for $6 each. 
And I think that subscription gets you access to all the back issues as well and old articles going way back to 30 years. So uh, it's a pretty good, pretty good deal. I did that. I just recently purchased a subscription. Uh, your subscription got in there, and uh, there's a lot of good content in there. So, uh, yeah, I, I recommend uh, National Communications Magazine for, for a lot of this news. And uh, hopefully we'll get Chuck in here uh, soon. We can, we can uh, have some great discussions with him. Um, we have some uh, comments and questions from our blog and our forum at twowayradioforum.com. And, you know, the first one I'm going to read is a comment on episode uh, 128 on our FCC enforcement advisory episode. Oh, boy. Yeah. Uh, well, it's short. Oh, uh, this is from Barry. He says, thanks for a great show. I did not hear anything mentioned about the spurious emissions. And that's from Barry. We didn't really cover that too much, the spurious emissions on, um, well, on that. Uh, and uh, I guess uh, in our long rants about the FCC, we need to mention more about spurious emissions. Well, the thing is, the show was already running pretty long, <laughs> so we were trying to cut it short a little bit. But, uh, you know, maybe we can maybe we can pick that up as, a, as a, another topic in an upcoming episode. We can have more time to devote to it. Um, let's see. This one's from Mike. He says, how do you lock your radios down to the hand bands only? Can they be unlocked by the user? And that's from Mike, and that's what, you know, we were discussing locking down the hand bands. Uh, well, usually, it really depends on the radio. A lot of times, that's something that's set in firmware or with special software by the manufacturer ahead of shipping. There, there are some manufacturers that have uh, software that's probably not intended to be used by end users that allow adjusting those frequency ranges. Um, but it, it really just depends on the radio. Mm-hmm. And uh, let's see, this one, uh, this one comes from Dish Soap. Hmm. That's his handle, I guess. Uh, he says, um, I had a question about two-way radios. So I work as maintenance for a school district, and I work between five schools. Each school has their own walkie-talkies and are on different frequencies. Most are different brands completely. So to get to the point, I would like to have one radio that would be able to pick up all five schools so I don't have to use a different radio every time I travel from school to school. Uh, and he wants to know if we have any suggestions on this. And uh, that's from Dish Soap. Uh, yeah, that's that's an easy one. Yeah. Um, assuming that everybody's on VHF or UHF. But, you know, I guess even if they are, they're not, there are dual-band radios that exist. So... It's, it's really just a matter of figuring out what frequencies the channels that you use are and then programming a single radio, channel 1, to match up to channel 1 at school A. Channel 2, you can program to match up to channel 1 at school B. But and it so depends on, on what so type of radios it's using, too, because, uh, you know, some of these schools, they all pretty much buy their own radios. So a lot of schools, like um, the schools that uh, my kids went to, mm-hmm. They were mostly using FRS, GMRS radios, mm-hmm. different ones, which was not that big of a deal because if you wanted to get a radio that would talk to those, most any of them would work. As long as you knew what channel and, and what, uh, you know, if, if they were using privacy code, which, which codes they were using. Mm-hmm. But 
if a school happened to be using a MERS radio or if they happen to be using uh, a, you know, a business radio with their own private business frequency on it, um, that, that would be a little bit different story. That might be a little bit tougher to, uh, to, to match up with. We work with a lot of schools, and uh, overwhelmingly, at least the schools that we work with, are using um, business frequencies. But, yeah, I mean, who knows? Without knowing some of the details, we're not going to be able to give him a completely accurate answer. So I I would suggest that he call us and work with one of our sales reps here. Um, If it comes down to it, he could just send us. We offer this as a free service. If you're buying a radio from us, just send us the radios that you want to be matched up and we'll make sure that we program the radio that you buy to match up to the radios that uh, you're sending us and uh, we can check any of those anomalies like are they using a MERS or a GMRS frequency or are they using some flavor of of digital Mm -hmm. and we'll make a product recommendation based on that so yeah, digital is going to be another animal entirely because if they're using say maybe if they're using 900 megahertz uh, radios or something like that. That's uh, he wants one radio that's going to talk sounds, to all the schools. And, sounds and like we're overcomplicated. Yeah. There are some fringe cases where it might not work, but I I believe that we can make this guy happy. I really do. All right, and our last one comes from SCJ. He says we have five sets of older Motorola MH230Rs. Three of the units have stopped working and are outside of protection. Will newer Motorola models work with these older models? would prefer to replace three rather than ten, five sets of two. And that's from SCJ. Uh, that's an easy one. Yeah, they, they will absolutely work together. Just be sure you're using the same channel and code number. Yeah, I mean, they're all FRS, GMRS radios. Or they're all going to be pretty much compatible with each other. Uh, you, you don't necessarily have to stick with the Motorola. You can use different brands as well. And they should all pretty much talk to each other on, those, uh, on the same channel and, and privacy codes. All right, well, I guess that does it for our comments and questions this week. Send in your comments and questions for Danny, Anthony, or myself to show at buy2wayradios.com. If you want to know more about today's topic or about two-way radios in general, check out our forum discussions at twowayradioforum.com. You can subscribe to the Two-Way Radio Show directly from our website at twowayradioshow.com or hear it on iTunes, blueberry.com, Google Podcast, or Stitcher Radio. And now we're on Spotify. The Two-Way Radio Show is now on Spotify, so if you're using Spotify or you have a Spotify app, just pull up the Two-Way Radio Show, and uh, and you'll get each new episode as it as it as uh, uh, as it comes up. That is big news. I use, I'm a Spotify user. I don't use it for podcasts. Mm-hmm. I listen to a lot of podcasts, but not through Spotify. But I use it for music. So a lot of people probably are using it for podcasts. So. Well, a lot of people are now. Spotify just recently set up for podcasts as well so now uh, a lot of people can you can listen to your favorite podcasts on spotify as well as your favorite music so it's a pretty cool thing and and the two-way radio show is available on spotify well i guess that does it for our show this time before we go uh any other final comments i hope anthony's having a great time at the uh trade show in orlando he's Missed mm-hmm. yet another episode. Yeah, I'm, is I'm he sure still part of the show? Are we keeping him on the <laughs> on the letterhead? <laughs> <laughs> the letterhead. <laughs> Can we just remove his email address from the two way radio show domain? I, I I wouldn't want to do that to Anthony. 
Yeah, I, I hope he's back next time because it's it's been a while. Yeah. <laughs> well, we'll have to um, we'll we'll have to uh, have him make up for his his absence over the last few episodes. Maybe next we'll, next week it's only Anthony. Yeah, we'll have him do it all on his own. How about that? Sounds good to me. <laughs> well, it's probably a lot warmer in Orlando right now, isn't it? Yeah, I, I think it is. Probably not as as, as nasty and rainy outside too. Well, uh, today's show is sponsored by BuyTwoWayRadios.com. Whether you're searching for two-way radios for general, consumer, or business use, BuyTwoWayRadios can help you find the best solution for your needs. Enter the promo code SHOW at checkout and save an additional 5% off your order. Give us a call at 1-800-584-1445 or enter our live chat at BuyTwoWayRadios.com. Well, everyone, as always, thanks for listening. And until next time, for the Two-Way Radio Show, I'm Rick Savoya. And I'm Danny Feimster. And we're... Out.